What artist can I count on to get me through the hard times now that the system took Meek Mill away from us? You are locked on fantasy basketball, your daily podcast on fantasy basketball. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello and welcome to the Locked On Fantasy Basketball Podcast brought to you by Basketball Monster. My name is Josh Lloyd and as always you can find me on Twitter at RedRock underscore B-Ball. We're here to recap the three games from Monday, preview a full 10-game Tuesday. So let's get to it. it. All right, we're not not mucking around. We're getting straight into the action today and we're going to start with the monstrous line of the night. Jimmy Johnson, James Johnson of the Miami Heat is the monstrous line of the night. I've had many people ask me, Josh, what's the name of the Jimmy Johnson song? The name of the song is Jimmy Johnson, and it is by Lagwagon. So go and check out, uh, go check out Lagwagon and uh, and buy their stuff. They're really, really good. And um, many of you, you won't you won't appreciate that uh, style of music, and it won't be your thing. But that's fine. But Jimmy Johnson by Lagwagon is the name of that song. So go and uh, go check them out. But let's get back to Jim himself here. Twenty one points, nine rebounds, six assists, three triples, three steals, one block, seven of fifteen from the field, four of four from the line. This is a Jim Johnson special from last season. He is amazingly the 16th ranked player over the last week, averaging 16.5 points, two triples, seven rebounds, five assists, 1.7 steals, and a block, shooting 53 from the field and 100% from the line. He's actually the 67th ranked player over the course of the season in under 29 minutes. He's been fantastic. He's putting up similar numbers to what we saw him do last year. In fact, he's a little bit more um, efficient from the field and from the line also, with, and doing it without shooting a huge three-point percentage, only 31% from three when he was at 34% last season. So he does have room to improve that three-point shooting as well. He's killing it at the moment. I thought you know, maybe the... The um, return of Justice Winslow, the acquisition of Cali Olinick might impact what Johnson can do, but he's just doing exactly what he did last year, yeah, even better perhaps in some areas, and, and just looks really, really good. So clearly he's a, he's a must-own player. We're all well, well aware of that, and he's owned in all leagues, and he is... Uh, he was a guy that I, I did tend to avoid myself this year in, in drafts. I felt he was going a little bit early, but turns out that uh, I, I missed out because he's putting up fantastic numbers at the moment, good old Jim Johnson. The waiver wire line of the night, it goes to Marco Ballinelli of the Atlanta Hawks. Ballinelli had been struggling in a big way before this game, but he had 19 points, which included two triples. Didn't have a rebound, which is not easy to do. Three assists, three steals, six of 10 from the field, and a perfect five of five from the line. He had gone missing in the two previous games and gone scoreless in under 20 minutes. I thought, okay, they're going to go with more Isaiah Taylor. They're going to go with more Malcolm Delaney in one of those games. They're going to run more Lukey Babbitt. But no, Ballinelli was back in this one. Yes, his value was helped by the fact that he was five of five from the line and the fact that he got three steals, but it was good to see those minutes back. He was a must-own player to start this season. He's still the 86th-ranked player over the course of the year. But to me, he is more of a streamer when you need those threes. He can be a little bit streaky with what he does. He's not providing much in those rebounds or assist numbers. Um, yeah, defensive stuff's not really happening. Efficiency is not a huge part of his game either. 
So he's not a must-own 12-team league guy. He's more of a 14-teamer, maybe more of a 16-teamer than a, than a 10 or a 12. But uh, it was good to see him. If you did happen to hold on after that uh, little rough patch, you got rewarded here. I actually dropped him before this game in one of my leagues. So I obviously missed out on that. But I, I was happy to do that. I think the decision to do that was uh, was well-founded after really three or four real turds in a row from Marco Bellinelli. But he bounced back in this one with a, with a pretty strong performance. The young gun of the night, pretty, uh, pretty used to saying this one because Jason Tatum was fantastic. 21 and 8 for Tatum, three triples, one assist, one steal, two blocks, seven of 13 from the field and a perfect four of four from the line. He is the 35th ranked player this season. That is bananas. He is almost a lock for the top 100 this season. Yes, Marcus Morris coming back might eat into his production, but if Brad Stevens is smart, and I know that he is, he won't allow that to happen. There are a couple of things that are definitely going to come down from Tatum, though. He is shooting 50% from the field, and he is shooting 53% from three. That second number in particular, there's no way that that sticks. He will not continue to shoot 53% from three. He has got an extraordinary true shooting of 64%. As a rookie, that is almost unheard of on uh, on nine field goal attempts per game. He's getting to the line four times per game. You know, 0.9 blocks, 0.73s, but his real value is coming from those percentages, his scoring, and his ability to grab rebounds at a high rate. He's definitely the Celtic, the young Celtic that you want over Jalen Brown. I don't think there's, I, I don't think there should be really any debate over that, but, um, yeah, he's putting up really, really good numbers and he's going to get plenty of these young guns of the night, uh, to, to move forward. He's, um, yeah, look, he's doing much more than anyone could have anticipated in the Celtics. They look really, really bloody good. And it's, uh, I didn't think we'd expect them to look as good as they did given the injury to Gordon Haywood, but they look fantastic. Best record in the NBA at the moment. Really, really crushing it. Um, after that early setback with those two early losses. The dud of the night. I tell a man's not hot. No, he's, uh, he's not hot. Hassan Whiteside. Three points, six rebounds, one block, a putrid one of nine from the field, and one of two from the free throw line. This is always the risk when your centers either they go up against the Pelicans and Boogie Cousins, or they go up against the Warriors, and he got significantly Warriorsed in this game. He's been putting up fine numbers, averaging 15 and 12 and a half with 1.2 steals and blocks, and hitting 80% of his free throws. Just chalk this one up to the Warriors, just really wrecking guys, which is which is what they do. Look back one game, and he had 21 and 17 with three steals and two blocks against the Clippers. This is a, an anomalous game from Hassan. I wouldn't be overly concerned. They, this just happens to centers against the Warriors. They just play limited minutes. He got benched down the stretch. They, they went with Bam Adebayo. And it's just, it's just what goes on. So I wouldn't be too concerned and thinking, oh, they're going to bench him as they move forward. He was getting killed early. He was really, really poor. And, you know, Spolstra made the change, and that's not uh, not an uncommon thing to happen in these matchups when you do take on the Golden State Warriors. We had a lot of uh, a lot of stuff to talk about. We're going to go through the uh, the games, the three games from Monday in more detail, and then later on we'll be previewing the ten games for Tuesday from a DFS point of view. Let's uh, let's actually get stuck into that right now and uh, and have a look at those games. Those three games that we did have on on uh, on Monday. The first one was the Boston Celtics getting the victory over the Hawks. It was a tight one. The Hawks did lead late into the fourth quarter, but the Celtics came through in no small part due to Kyrie Irving, who had 35, 3, and 7. He was 64% from the field, which is crazy. He hit four triples, no defensive numbers. But prior to this game, he was leading the NBA in steals, which is a, a phenomenal thing that you probably would not have anticipated from Kyrie. Al Horford almost with the uh, triple-double as well, 15, 10, and 9. And Horford this season is averaging 9.2 rebounds per game after being a guy that averaged 6.8 last season. The Celtics are one of the best rebounding teams in the league. 
And mainly because Horford has increased his output so, so much. We thought, oh shit, they're not going to be able to rebound anything this year. Yeah, Baines might be able to help that, but Horford has really picked up on that end, and he has been a fantastic early pick. Marcus Smart hit some shots, but we don't care about that in general. Four four boards, five assists, two steals, just getting it done in those other areas. While Jalen Brown, 11-4, and four, picked up some early fouls. Amazingly, Jalen Brown is the 177th ranked player, or he was when I checked it about three hours ago, 177th ranked player in the NBA. People traded him for Bradley Beal. That is bananas to me. Now, I've said this many times, Brown looks much better than I anticipated, but his game is not overly fantasy-friendly. And we're seeing that now. You could say that Jalen Brown's been really good for the Celtics, and that's true. But for fantasy, he hasn't been that good. He's scoring okay. Tatum is the guy that I would prefer easily in a fantasy league over Jalen Brown. Not even close at all. Um, Brown's still doing his thing and scoring some points. He's inconsistent. The percentages hurt. He just doesn't do enough in enough categories to be a real consistent fantasy threat. And we're seeing that play out at the moment. Aaron Baines started with Marcus Morris out. Two and three for Baines. He's not much there. While Daniel Tice played his 14 minutes and they'll likely evaporate in the next game. But Shemi Ojale, he looks awesome as well. And I am every single day thinking that Brad Stevens is potentially the best coach in the NBA. Yeah, Greg Popovich is there clearly, but he can make anybody seem good. And maybe, you know, I'm a little bit harsh on Marcus Morris. I don't like Marcus Morris. I don't think he's a good uh, bloke. I don't think he's a good player. And we've seen how bad he was in Detroit. But we've also seen players go from Boston to other teams and look significantly worse. Jay Crowder, Avery Bradley, who's looked all right, but he hasn't looked as good as what he did playing in Boston. And then players coming to Boston and Stevens being able to work their magic on them, like Jay Crowder, for example. So maybe he could make Morris into a fantasy relevant player. I'm not really feeling that. So I don't think that 10s or 12s that need to really pay too much attention to Morris, but it is food for thought when looking at his value as we move forward. On the Hawks. Ah, yes. The Undertaker, Dwayne Dedman. This is the hope that I had for him early in the in the preseason. I didn't expect him to play 36 minutes a night, which he did here. But he had 19 and 12, a career high. He added two blocks. He was a perfect two of two from the line. He hit a three. He was 57% from the field. And this is the sort of value he can return. He's around the top 100 so far this season, despite being a little bit disappointing. His upside isn't significant because he's not going to play 36 a night. But he, in a 14-team league, he's a clear must-own. He's owned in like 31% of leagues. In a 12-team league, I think he does have value. If you're looking for rebounds and some blocks with some good percentages, it is hard to go past a guy like The Undertaker to really solidify those numbers. Now, he got extra playing time because Mike Muscala was out, Ursan Ilyasova was out, and the Baptist John Collins had five fouls in his 16 minutes, so Deadman had to play extra. He'd just as likely go back to 24 or 23 minutes in the next one when Collins plays his 20 and Muscala is back and Ursan's back and all that sort of stuff. But it is showing what he can do if he is given that ability to play those minutes. He looked really strong here. Dennis Schroeder continues to be really good for this team. 23-2-6. While the Hawks um, debuted some weird-ish lineups with Malcolm Delaney playing alongside Schroeder and Malcolm Delaney playing alongside Isaiah Taylor. In fact, 
Both Delaney and Taylor played over 20 minutes. Delaney had 13 and 4 with two steals. I'm not really buying that. Uh, while Taylor had 4, 2, and 4. Both of those guys are deeper league guys. And I'd probably prefer Taylor. But it was a, um, it was interesting to see those lineups. That meant that Kent Bazemore and Torian Prince both had their minutes limited. 5, 8, and 3 for Bazemore. While Prince was a pretty poor 7, 2, and 4 in his 28 minutes. That will likely change in the next one. While Lukey Babbitt had 9 and 5 in 25 minutes, but he could find himself completely out of the rotation when both Ursan and, uh, and Muscala return in the next game. The next game we take a look at is the Brooklyn Nets and the Phoenix Suns. There was no Trevor Booker, there was no Jared Allen, and then Rondé Hollis-Jefferson had a right hip contusion that forced him out of the second half of this game. So the big man stocks were pretty depleted for Brooklyn. In the second half, jumping Joe Harris started, and he looked all right. 18 points with three triples, a steal, and a block. It's clear that Kenny Atkinson really does like jumping Joe. He's ahead of Sean, uh, Shawnee Kilpatrick, the sexy boy. And if Rondé has to miss, and the Nets are playing again on Tuesday, then I would imagine that Harris is going to start and he's an interesting points and three streamer who can be surprising in the defensive numbers. Not really a 12-team must-own, but he's only 1% of league. So you're in 20-teamers, you're in 18-teamers. Go and have a look at Jumpin' Joe and see what he can give you. D'Angelo Russell, really good in this one. 23-6-8, two steals and a block. A weirdly horrendous uh, night from the free throw line as he went 7-12 of 12 there, but 62% from the field. It felt like he couldn't miss in that uh, in that final quarter. The Nets did make a change to their starting lineup. The blue swimmer, Alan Crabb, started while Karis Levert moved to the bench. Crabb had 15-4 and four with a steal and a block in 23 minutes, while Levert also played 23 minutes. Both of those guys had foul trouble. I don't think it changes much in terms of their value as they move forward. I think Levert has the more well-rounded fantasy game. In fact, he had five steals in this one. But his shot is just nowhere near going in. He cannot hit anything, whereas Crab is more of a three-point point specialist. I would have Levert marginally ahead of Crab, but you could make the argument either way. There were, no, I was going to say the, the blue swim, but that's not Damari Carroll's nickname. He's the junkyard dog. He had 14 and 11. Not much else there for Damari as he started um, another game of 33 minutes. He should be owned. While Tyler Zeller looked pretty good in his playing time, 17 and uh, not 17, 17 minutes, 12 points, three rebounds, and and outplayed Tim Mozgov and Quincy Acey played 21 minutes given the uh, lack of big men. If both Allen and Booker come back in the next game, then some of those players are going to have to miss out. But we could have a situation where there's no Jared Allen, no Trevor Booker, no Rondé Hellas-Jefferson in the Nets next game against the Nuggets. And that's going to allow Nikola Jokic to go bananas. But it's going to push minutes for these wing guys. Carroll plays exclusively at the four. More Levert, more Crab, more Dinwiddie, um, more Mozgov, more Acey in that sort of a situation as well. Spencer Dinwiddie couldn't hit any shots, but did have seven assists in his 27 minutes. I don't think he is a must-own guy in 12-team leagues, but he can be used. For the Suns, TJ Warren, great again. 20-9, and nine, two steals and three blocks, 36 minutes, while Joshy Jackson played only 13. This is what should happen because TJ Warren is a significantly better player than Josh Jackson. I'm a big TJ Warren fan, as you're well aware. Um, hopefully, he can sustain these minutes. It feels like he's going to play 30-plus for the majority of this season, and he clearly needs to be owned. Devin Booker fouled out, only 18 points with two steals for Book, while Mike James, he got hot in this one. 16 points, two assists, two steals, while Tyler Eulis had 11, 1, and 3 in 25 minutes. The roller coaster in terms of the minutes of these point guards continues, and it doesn't look like it's ever going to stop. 
One thing that is stopping is minutes for Marquise Chris. He started, he played 15 minutes and had 4-4-2. Four, four, and two. Dragon Bender played 10 minutes and had 0-4 and because it was really important that Jared Dudley get in there and play his 21 minutes. Now, I like Jared Dudley. I think he's a great bloke, ripping bloke, fantastic career. I really, really like him. But there's no real need for him to be playing crunch time minutes. There's no need for him to be playing minutes over both Chris and Bender. Now, Chris is terrible. He is not a good basketball player. He is young. He has limited experience, but he is shitful. He is absolutely dreadful. He He's not quite in the shit bloke rankings, but I reckon he could be in there. I'll need to do a little bit more digging. I reckon he could definitely get himself into those uh, into those shit bloke rankings. Josh Jackson's a real candidate for that as well, just, uh, just saying. But I reckon he, with Chris, I reckon you can piss him off. 10-team leagues, done. 12-team leagues, this is the thing. We talk about these guys, and I'll constantly refer to Tony Roten, but Tony Roten, when he played 30 minutes... The fantasy numbers came. There was never denying that, but he was a horrendous player on the court. And you saw at some point, at some point, he's just not going to be able to get these minutes to put up the numbers. And that's exactly the way I feel about Chris. Give him 30 minutes a night and it's a triple one and a half. But with a new coach in town, with Jay Triano there instead of Earl Watson, who really loved Chris, and we saw Triano go to Bender over him. Now we're seeing him go to Dudley over him. My hopes for Chris are really, really limited. Alex Len looked great, 7-14, and 14, a steal and two blocks. Couldn't hit any shots, one of six, but aggressive. And he should be playing 30 a night. Don't understand the fascination with Tyson Chandler, but Len is a guy that I would own over Chris, and I would have him in 12-team leagues. The last game of the night, the Miami Heat and the Golden State Warriors. Joshy Richardson, only six points, but did add three steals and two blocks. And that that is part of the reason why you owned him. You want him to be a little bit more yeah, involved offensively, uh, hit a few more shots, yeah, at least have one rebound and one assist. Weird to have zeros in both those columns, but the defensive numbers make him a guy that I still do want to own. Uh, Justice Winslow, six points, seven rebounds, and five assists with Deion Waiters out. And the one thing you want to take from Winslow's game, yeah, he still can't hit shots, but his passing is unbelievable. I don't know where he's got this passing ability from. I don't know what this means for him moving forward, but he's clearly developed that skill over the past two seasons, and he's a really good passer now. So that is something that is an interesting stream target for assists, Winslow could be that guy. Kelly Olenek had 10 and 5 in 18 minutes, and these minutes, I reckon they're going to be kept pretty low now, while Akaro White continues to start. Tyler Johnson, he was shit out 3 and 4 in 29 minutes, not worth a 12-team league look. While the Duke Wayne Ellington had 9 points in 28 minutes, all of those coming from 3. But when uh, Dion's back, you know, we're talking about 10 minutes or so for the Duke. Uh, Goran Dragic, worse than uh, Derek Rose, he had 19, 3 and 4 in 31 minutes. On to the Golden State Warriors, Kevin Durant, 21, 8 and 6, a steal, 3 blocks. Him and Steph Curry couldn't hit any shots, but this is how good Durant is. He was 39% from the field and still put up 21, 8 and 6 with a steal and 3 blocks to be the second best player on the night. It's crazy. Draymond Green hit his. He hit four triples, had 18, 9 and 2 with a block, while Steph, 16, 5 and 4, two steals and two triples, and he went a a brutal 26% from the field and 22% from three. Him and KD won't have that sort of a game all that often. Uh, Steve Kerr's use of centers remains maddening. Jordan Bell is better than JaVale McGee. Jordan Bell is better than Zaza Pachulia. Jordan Bell is probably better than David West, who was out in this one. But we had four centers play in the first quarter, including 17 Kavon Looney minutes. Now, Looney did have three blocks, but I just won't understand. I won't understand the mentality of playing all these centers all the time. At some point in the next three years, Bell is going to be a 28, 30-minute-a-night center. It's just not going to happen this year, even though I do believe that at some point he will become the starter. Probably after Christmas would be my guess, but I think that he will supplant Petrullia, but then just play 15 minutes a night anyway. The, the, the frustration continues with the way that Kerr does use that uh, that center rotation. 
for uh, for his team. That is it. There wasn't that many games on as I uh, as I mentioned already. Only uh, only uh, three games. I'm going to transition ourselves now into DFS as we look ahead to um, Tuesday's games because there are ten of them and another new band to debut in terms of transition music. This one is Jake McKelvey and the Countertops, and the song is called Mini Monsters. Yeah, no, Mini Monster. Sorry, Mini Monster. Sorry about that, Jake McKelvey and the Countertops. Uh, Mini Monster. I'll play that for you now. Then I'll be back to talk some DFS for Tuesday. Projector, if I take my arms together, I will have twice the power, so they say. And if I start recycling every Thursday morning, there will still be bottles on the roadside anyway. Just not clean enough to drink from or appear as though they've never been used. I'm like a pen. Guys, we are back. Thank you again to uh, Jake McKelvey and the Countertops for that song, Mini Monster. And thank you to everyone who has sent in music for the podcast. I've got so many songs. It's fantastic. Happy to take submissions for other people as well. But really great stuff to see so many listeners to this podcast who are in bands and want to have their music, uh, I guess, put out there to other people. And hopefully, and I've had many people, oh, who was that song? Who was that song? How do we find it? So it is a good way to get some people to go and, uh, and listen to your music. Let's talk about the perfect DFS lineup of the night from uh, from Monday on Fangio, Malcolm Delaney twenty three point three and Kyrie had forty seven point one. Marco Bellinelli had thirty two point five. Or D'Angelo Russell forty seven point seven. TJ Warren, or as Matt Smith wants me to call him, the Rim Reaper. I'm not sure I'm ready for that one, Matt, but I'll I'll, I'll, I'll run with it for you. Forty seven point eight. Kevin Durant forty nine point four. Jason Tatum forty one point one. Jim Johnson had 50.8 and The Undertaker had 40.4. That totaled 380.1, a low total, which is pretty common on a three-game slate for a total of 58,500, so $1,500 worth of savings there, which, again, that's a common thing on a uh, on a small slate as well. On DraftKings, Kyrie had 50.25, Marco Bellinelli 30.5, Tatum 40, Horford 44.5, The Undertaker 42, D'Angelo Russell 47.5, TJ Warren, The Rim Reaper, 43.75 and Jim Johnson 49.75 for a total of 348.25. That cost you $49,700 dues. There are 10 games on Tuesday. We'll get to the first of those now and it's the Dallas Mavericks heading to the Washington Wizards. There is no spread for this one because we don't know the status of Johnny War. We've got Dorian Finney-Smith as probable. He's probably not going to play regardless. I wouldn't care too much there. The one we care about is obviously in Washington with Johnny Wall, questionable. And weirdly enough, his backup, Timmy Frazier, questionable with a wrist as well. If both of those guys go out, then shit, it's going to be really weird because Thomas Sutaransky is going to have to play a lot of minutes. I think Kelly Oubre will play more minutes in that situation. And I think Jody Meeks will be the backup point guard or it'll be Brattles Beal. And you'd be really locking in Beal for a monster, monster night if both Wall and Frazier are out. In fact, if Wall is out, Beal is, is someone you really look at there anyway. And Sutaransky, despite his struggles in the last game, I still do believe in him and he would be an interesting low salary type of player. Now, if Wall is out, Timmy Frazier does get some value here and he can be looked at uh, against this Mavericks team. 
Let's look at the point guards. Wall is at 9,700. If he happens to play, I think it's a good opportunity for him to play. I reckon he might sit this one and be back for the next game. Uh, that's just a, a gut feel at this point. JJ Barea at 4,000, not really seeing any love there. Well, Dennis Smith at 5,100. I actually like Smith here, especially if Wall is out. He's been playing a little bit better, averaging 22 over his last three. So I can see a 25 or 26 pointer here from Dennis Smith coming out, coming up. As for Timmy Frazier at 4,000, if Wall is out, that's fine. At shooting guard, Wes Matthews has been a stinker. He's at 4,400. It's a decent matchup for him. I'd be all, all right in looking at him in a tournament, but he's just too inconsistent. While Jody Meeks at 3,000, if we have both Wall and Frazier out, I think that's a brilliant play um, for, for tournaments. And if only one of those is out, I'd still look at him as a tournament guy because he can get hot, he can hit some threes. And if he's got the ability to play some point and maybe get you three or four assists, that could really help there. Devin Harrison, not really too interested, although he's been pretty solid recently. While Bradles Beal at 8,500, this guy is averaging 48 points over his last three, and he's got a real opportunity to drop a 50 or, or even a 55 here on Dallas. I reckon Yogi Ferrell, the minutes have been well down, and he is averaging just 15 points across his last three. The salary is well down as well, so you could consider him a tournament guy but I wouldn't be getting too excited at. Small forward, the pencil Harrison Barnes at 6,200. I feel pretty confident of getting 30 out of Harrison. So um, in, in cash, that's not bad. While Kelly Oubre at 4,300, I'd lean more GPP unless we have Wall out and Frazier out. And then I'd look at him as a little bit more of a safer cash type of a play at power forward. Otto Porter at 6,700. That's a pretty decent price for Porter. He's been putting up strong numbers. And with Wall out, or if Wall is out, that would be a good option. Markeith at 4,400. I'm just not certain of the minutes enough to go there well Dirk at 4800 sorry Dirk I can't uh, I can't get behind using you either at center Marching Gortat 5600 I think that's really strong for cash I'm not sure he's got much upside but 25 or 26 points does not feel like a stretch for Gortat in this one well Nerland's Noel 3700 I still I'm getting questions about people from people in seasonal leagues oh don't you think that when you know, the Mavericks will start cutting down uh, Dirk's minutes and they'll start unleashing Noel oh, no there is a real issue here with this team and Noel and they, they, they'll unleash Salah Mejri they'll unleash John Motley Jeff Withy they'll unleash um, Dwight Powell. They won't do it to Noel. I can almost 100% guarantee you that you will not be getting a 30-minute Nerland Noel type stretch for the last two months of the season. I could be wrong, but I just do not see it happening. So everyone who's expecting that to happen, I, I just don't see it. It could happen, but that shouldn't be your expectation, in my opinion. So yeah, he's not looking like a really strong play here, despite his salary being at $3,700. If we uh, flip this over, have a look over on DraftKings at how this game plays out. Not not too much to really love here. Johnny Wall at 95 is okay. Gortat, I think, is decently strong also. Uh, the Pencil, Otto Porter, Dennis Smith, and Bradley Beal having some value. Guys like Devin Harris might want to look at it in a tournament. Um, that's probably about it, though, if we flip that to, uh, to DraftKings. Let's have a look now at the next game. We're going to talk about the Milwaukee Bucks, and they're taking on the Cleveland Cavaliers. Shout out to LeBron for his uh, Arthur's Fist post today with just the caption under it, Mood. So, of course, NBA social media went wild. And then all NBA players you know, chiming in, Isaiah Thomas, Damian Lillard, Dwayne Wade, all with their... Isaiah Thomas was pretty hilarious. He's like, oh, do you want me to handle... I think, oh, I wish I had the words in my head. Do you want me to handle something for you? Because LeBron can just say... He literally says one word. And people go crazy. Um, interesting to see if we have any idea what this means at all. Maybe LeBron's pissed that, uh, that Derek Rose was, uh, was labeled as a top 15 point guard by someone on the internet. Maybe he's not impressed by that. Who knows? 
But uh, that was LeBron's post there. So we'll see what happens as he goes on up against Yanni Adetokounmpo and the Milwaukee Bucks. Kevin Love, he's likely to play. He did have that illness that sent him to the hospital the other day, but he's he's right. And Iman Shumpert is likely to return after missing a few games with a knee problem. The Cavs are favored by four. The total is 220 here. As for Derek Rose, for as much, uh, as much shit as I poured on him and his... What's the right word? Nuthuggers, maybe, yesterday? I think at 4,500, he's a decent, decently solid play here. He's going to play his 30-ish minutes, and he's going to have an opportunity to get 25 points. So I think that Derek Rose for tournaments is is worth a look. Matt Dallavadova isn't pretty clear. Well, Malcolm Brogdon, Brogo, 6,100. I feel like you're just going to get 30 out of Brogo almost, almost every night. I think he's a really strong cash play uh, in this one. At shooting guard, Tone Snell's at 4,000. One of the best GPP type options and one of the worst cash plays in my opinion. While J.R. Smith, he's not even giving you enough to be a GPP type of guy at this point. Chrissy Middleton, 7,500. Just don't like the matchup with him uh, against the Cavs. He has struggled in the past. The price is probably a little bit too high. While Dwayne Wade had a monster in the last one, 49 points he dropped. I wouldn't be relying upon him or Kyle Korver for that matter, who was also big in that last game in anything apart from GPPs. And I don't think they're all that strong in that situation either. DeAndre Liggins' revenge game? Probably not. At small forward, Yanni is 11,700. I really like that. I think a 50 or a 55 for, for cash is right in right in play there, as is LeBron at 11,300. You could easily stack a GPP with both of those guys and try and get some cheaper options in other spots with guys like um, uh, Johnny Henson, who's a little bit cheaper, Timmy Frazier, or Thomas Sataransky, depending on what happens in Washington. But a Giannis-LeBron stack, if they go head-to-head, the game's close. I think you might see some big numbers there and hopefully enough to pay off that, pay off that sort of price, assuming you can get enough cheaper guys in around them. Mirza Toledovic is also one of those cheaper um, punt type options as a small forward while uh, while Jeffy Green. Oh, I don't have the drop in front of me. Oh, there it is. My name is Jeff. Ah, fantastic. He's been putting up odd numbers. And by odd, I mean, hey, what? Jeff Green? 21 points per game in his last three, $4,000 outplaying Jay Crowder. So maybe there's a little bit of value in Green, but I just feel like the consistency... The floor is just not high enough. Speaking of Crowder, he's at 4,400 only for tournaments for him. He is really struggling, averaging 17 over the last five, which is not enough for that value. Uh, the Muppet John Henson is at $5,000. He had 27 in the last game. I think it's a pretty strong play to get Henson into your lineup. And at center, you've got Kevin Love at 7,000. I'd look at him as a GPP type of a guy, not feeling him with the way they're distributing the shots in Cleveland, not feeling that for cash. Thon McCurr. Not really seeing that either. Um, let's have a look at how this game now looks over on DraftKings tournaments, guys. We've got Tone Snell, Toledovic, Rose, Chrissy Middleton, Kevin Love, and Jay Crowder. For the uh, for cash games, Brogo, Yanni, the Muppet, John Henson, and LeBron are all pretty solid options over on DraftKings. Let's go on to the next game now. We're going to look at the New Orleans Pelicans and the Indiana Pacers. The Pacers are favored by one, and the total is 218 points here. The big question in terms of uh, availability is going to be DeMontis Sabonis, who's got a right calf contusion. If he doesn't play, you're going to see more Al Jefferson. TJ Leaf has already been ruled out. You'll see more Al Jefferson. You'll see big minutes from Thad Young, and you'll see some minutes from Alex Poitras. But Jefferson and Poitras aren't really going to be interesting, but it should allow Miles Turner to play more, and Thad Young becomes a really, really strong option in this case. The problem being, though, the big men have to go up against Anthony Davis and DeMarcus Cousins, and that can be a real concern. 
At point guard, Corey Joseph is at 3,700. I don't really think his upside's high. I don't think his floor's that high. Jameer Nelson at 4,300 had a big one in the last game, and he's got some ability to drop a 30, which is great at that sort of a price, while Drew Holiday at $7,000 hasn't quite been at that level. This is a really good matchup for Drew, so I'd lean towards using him as a tournament type of guy. Daz Collison, he's at $6,000. Yeah, I think that's fine. I don't think there's a huge amount of upside. I think he can be used in cash, though. Um, shooting guards, each one more, 4,200, just nothing of excitement there whatsoever. Well, Vic Oladipo, 7,300. I'm in on Vic. Yeah, 40 point upside, good for tournaments. 30, at least a 35 point floor, I would guess. So I think he's pretty strong in this one. At small forward, Boyan Bogdanovich, 4,700, had some strong games and then turded in the last one, just the 12 points there. So he is always a GPP guy in my mind. Well, Dante Cunningham's a nothing guy, same as Tone Allen, Lance Stevenson, or Darius Miller. Now, Thaddeus Young, 6,100. He gets a real, real bump if Sabonis is out. I think at 6,100, he's decently strong anyway, despite going up against Anthony Davis, but he's got an opportunity to, to really break through that value, and I do like Thad quite a bit here. As for Sabonis at 5,700, I'd probably fade him with the injury, with the Cousins' concern also. And then you've got Davis at 11,7, another one of those $11,000 players, along with Boogie and LeBron and Yanni, who you can consider in both cash and tournaments. Uh, we'll talk Cousins now. He's at 11.8. Yeah, that's fine. You're going to get 50 out of Cousins pretty much every night. The upside mightn't be, mightn't be that high, but he is still a strong cash and a tournament option. While Miles Turner at 7,000, the minutes have been a bit down for Miles. The concern of playing Cousins is real here. I would look at him as a tournament guy only just because that price is really low at $7,000. It's a $1,400 drop from the last game. So that gives him some appeal, but that matchup is a real shitful one. Going up against Boog, uh, other teams do... Uh, we so what happened to Carl Anthony Towns? I'll, I'll leave it at that, and that can happen to anyone. So uh, Miles Turner is into that sort of consideration there. Over on DraftKings tournament, guys, Boyan and Corey Joseph are in play. Miles Turner is much more expensive over on DraftKings, so you can still use him, but I'd, I'd probably lean towards a fade there. Same with Daz Collison and Vic Oladipo. Their prices are significantly higher on DraftKings. For cash plays, I like Young. He's at 5700 That's a really good price. Drew Holiday's at 67 Boogie and Anthony Davis are both at reasonable prices over on DraftKings as well. Let's go through this next one now, which is the Chicago Bulls and the Toronto Raptors. The Raptors are favored by 11. The total is 205 points. And of course, this is going to be the season debut of Bobby Portis. Hello, darkness, my old friend. I've come to talk with you again. Yes, while Nikola Mirotic remains unable to practice, Bobby Portis is going to return to the court here in this one and be the backup power forward. That's not going to have too much of an impact on Larry Markkinen, although Fred Hoiberg is one of the worst coaches in the NBA, so maybe he does allow it to have an impact on Larry. I'm not too concerned about it here. I reckon this game is going to have a lot of fantasy value, despite it being uh, a 200 total and an 11-point spread, just because the prices look really appealing. And that's you know, sometimes you, we can get caught up in spreads and totals and all that sort of stuff. But sometimes if the prices are really good, there can be value here. At point guard, Kyle Lowry is at 7,500. He could really eviscerate the Bulls here and drop a 40 on them. I, I really like using Lowry here at that price. Well, DeLon Wright at 4,000, if it gets out of hand, 
Now, 23, 24 pointer from D-Lon is definitely something that's on the cards. More a GPP guy. As for the Bulls point guards, we've got Jaron Grant at 4,900. He just dropped a casual 42 in the last one, but there is zero chance of me wanting to rely upon that with the Kyle Lowry matchup. And then Lowry goes out and D-Lon comes in. I don't think Grant's really that talented, but he's a, he's a tournament option, especially if Hoiberg refuses to go back to Dunn. Freddie Van Vliet was good in the last one at 3,300. Maybe if you think it is a blowout and Van Vliet gets his 20 minutes, he could get 25 or 26 points. So not someone to completely discount. Justin Holiday is just shooting the shit out of it. And by shooting the shit out of it, I don't mean he's doing it in a good way. He's just shooting way too many times. But at 5,700, I'm all about using Justin Holiday here. DeMar DeRozan at 8,100, I think he's fairly strong for cash. Or Normie Powell at 4,200. Really big games from Norm recently. But both of those two big games, there's been a reason. The first one was CJ Miles was out. And the second one, Kyle Lowry was ejected. So let's see how he goes with Dwayne Casey using a 12-man rotation if he can still get those 29 minutes. So I'd leave him as a, a tournament guy. I would not want to rely upon him for cash. Well, Chrissy Dunn at 5,100, that's just too high for me. At small forward, we know David Nwaba is out for two to four weeks. So Powell Zipser is going to start again. Why wouldn't you start Denzel Valentine? Who, who knows? You know, Zipser, who you'd move to a 17-minute role, he's going to come back in now and play 30 minutes. Just give Valentine 31 minutes and see what he can do. But no, that's not Hoiberg's style. We'll talk Denzel here. He's at 4,200. I'm in on that. I think that's real value. I think he can be a cash guy as well um, and some significant tournament upside. As for Zipser, no, no thanks. I'm all right. CJ Miles at 3,000. That is rock bottom minimum salary for a guy that can light up for seven triples. You've got to have it in your GPP pool just in case. You're always going for ceiling in GPPs, not floor. And his floor is shithouse. He's averaging seven points in his last three games. But he could easily have seven points in, in a minute of play by knocking down a couple of triples. So you, you do need to have a look at Miles as a minimum salary player. OG Ananobi at 3,300, just not doing anything enough for me. At Power Ford, Lowry Markinen is at 6,200. It's Lowry versus Lowry in this one. This is the Markinen version, 6,200. Yep, fine with that. 30 points should be pretty locked in for him. While Serge Ibaka... I think Serge is playing terribly, but at $5,000, it's really hard to go past Serge. I think that him getting 25 shouldn't be considered too much of a stretch. Pascal Siakam at 3,800. Well, Siakam's getting his minutes, and he's taking his shots, and he's looking pretty decent. I think that Siakam, if you're looking for that cheap guy to go with your Boog and your Davis or your Yanni and your LeBron, then uh, Siakam at 3,800. Get your 16, 17 points. That's that's not a bad not a bad amount. As for Bob Porter's, on my moral grounds, I won't use him. But even so, he's shit anyway, so I won't be using him regardless. And I was joking about moral grounds. At center, Robin Lopez, 5,700. I think that Lopez is almost a lock to get that value, so I like him there. While Jonas Valanciunas at 4,700, he can go off. We know that. But what's Casey going to do? Play him 20 minutes or play him 27 minutes? If he plays him 27 minutes against the Bulls, it's over. He's smashed that value, and that's why he should be in your GPP pool. Bebe is at 3,600. Also, really interested in him in a tournament. He racks up stats at a high rate. He had 16 points in 14 minutes in the last one. He's averaging over a point per minute in his last five games. At 3,600, if he gets 17 minutes, then the value is going to be there. And he is currently playing over Jakob Pertl. So I would definitely have Bebe ahead of uh, ahead of Jakob. Let's look at how this one um, plays out over on DraftKings. GPP options. I think Serge is more of a GPP guy in DraftKings. Abaka, that is. Denzel Valentine, Norm Powell, and Jonas Valanciunas. Well, I think there's some strong cash players also. DeRozan, Holiday, DeLon, Robin Lopez, Lowry Markinen, and Kyle Lowry. All some uh, decent GP, no, some decent cash plays over on, um, over on DraftKings. 
Let's move on to the next game now. It is the Charlotte Hornets taking on the New York Knicks. The uh, the spread is even at the moment. The total is 209.5 points. Dwight Howard is probable with a right foot sprain. Michael Kidd-Gilchrist is uh, is out with his personal issues. Again, um, you're really not coping, I guess, with the, uh, the loss of his grandmother, so that's uh, is keeping him out of action. Um, yeah, Howard, he'll be, he'll be right to go. Let's talk about the point guards. Uh, in this matchup, we'll go, of course, to Kemba Walker first, 7,400 for Kemba. Numbers have been a little bit down, 27-point average over the last three, but you're playing the Knicks. It is an opportunity to get those up, but Frank Milikina, maybe he puts the brakes on. So that is, that is something to watch, but I think Kemba's pretty solid at 7,400. As for Frank, 4,700. Someone suggested I should call him the French Prince. It's not rolling off my tongue. I'm not quite feeling it yet. It's in consideration. I think he does deserve a nickname, but at the moment, uh, Frankie Nilakina at 4,300 is definitely worth a look. Dropped 30 in the last game. Um, yeah, I, I, he's more of a tournament guy than a, than a cash play. Well, Jarrett Jack at 4,400. Yeah, I, yeah, tournaments only, but I, I just, I don't, I don't feel great about using him. At shooting guard, Courtney Lee's at 46. That's just, there's no, nothing enticing about that. Well, Timmy Hardaway at 6,000 has been killing it. His lowest score in his last five games has been 29 points. So he's probably due to shit the bed at some point, but I, I do feel pretty good about him in cash. Well, Jezza Lamb at 5,900. I would take Hardaway over Lamb every day of the week with that extra $100. The Baconator, Dwayne Bacon, 3,800. With Kid Gilchrist out, he's going to get his minutes, and I think he can get 20. He's averaging 23 over the last three, so I think in cash, again, you're looking for a cheap guy to fit those other big names in. The Baconator might be okay there. Malik Monk had 21 points in the last game, which included eight assists. He's also at 3,800. I'd lean more towards him in a tournament for the ability for him to go off and start hitting some threes, not really feeling like relying upon him in cash yet. At small forward, it is a just a real cornucopia of shithouseness here. Doug McDirt and Lance Thomas, both minimum salary guys for a reason. You can leave them alone. At power forward, Frank the Tank Kaminsky, 4,100. As a tournament guy, sure. As a cash guy, not a chance. While Marvin Williams is at $4,000 as well. And I just don't really see the upside in Marv. The guy we want to talk about, of course. Yeah, he's at 9,800, Chris Dapps. He had 68 in the last one. Will Dwight Howard be an issue? Will Marvin Williams be an issue? Probably not for Marv Dwight, perhaps. But I think at 9,800, Puzingas makes a really nice alternative to LeBron or to Davis or to Cousins. He's crushing it. He's averaging 52 over the last five games, which is absolutely what you need at 9,800. And there was a real turd stuck in there as well, where he had a 30-point outing. At center, Ennis Cantor, 6,200. This one could go awry for Cantor, and he's played over 30 in the past two games, but a Dwight Howard pick-and-roll situation with Kemba could be a real concern there. So I would put your, I would put cock on your radar and look at Kylo Quinn at 3,900 as a tournament guy, and I'd probably, in, in normal cases, I'd look, you know, Cantor at 6,200. I feel good about him getting 30, but the risk element in him playing Dwight makes me go, well, maybe in a tournament, but he could come out there and he could out-wrestle Dwight for rebounds and come down with a 16 and 14 sort of game. And that's obviously really valuable. As for Dwight at 7,300, I'm in on using Dwight. I think a 40-point game could really be uh, in the offing for him. I wouldn't be getting too excited about Cody Zeller despite his big performance in their last outing. Over on DraftKings, tournament guys, I think Ennis Cantor and Marv Williams there. Uh, while Cash plays, Porzingis Hardaway. Nilakina is more of a cash option on DraftKings, I think. Kemba and Dwight Howard. Let's take a look 
at this next game. It is the Los Angeles Clippers and the San Antonio Spurs. The Spurs are favored by three and a half, and the total is 201. The Rooster, Danilo Gallinari, he is doubtful with a left hip contusion. There is zero chance that he plays, while Manu should be back after resting in the last game for the Spurs. Let's talk point guards. Pat Bev is at 5,800. He's been consistently getting that sort of value, so I feel pretty strongly about him, despite the somewhat negative matchup against the Spurs. Uh, Pat Mills at 4,700, more of a tournament guy. Looks like he's got that starting point guard job locked down over DeJounte Murray at this point. As for Murray at 4,100, I just don't really see it. I like Lou Williams at $5,000, especially with the rooster likely out. He's going to get more opportunities. So I like Lou here at 5000 and Austin Rivers at 4700 Maybe in a tournament, but I don't feel strongly about Rivers as a cash game option. Manu at 4100 Probably not. Bryn Forbes had some interesting numbers recently. 3400 for Bryn. He put up uh, averaging 19 over the last three. But with Manu back... I would maybe look at him as a tournament, but I don't even really see him as a high upside sort of play. I love Wes Johnson here. If the rooster is out, which we assume 4,400 for Wes, he can get the steals. He can get the blocks. If he gets two of each of those, he's almost made that value straight away. So at 4,400, I'm in on Wes. I wouldn't be expecting massive returns, but I think getting 20 out of him is a realistic expectation given he should play 30 minutes while Kyle Anderson at 4,800, a similar player to Wes in a, in a way, but you pay 400 more dollars for Kyle. So I'll look at Wes as an option over Anderson. Rudy Gay at 5,200, just not getting enough minutes to really justify that price tag. At power forward, Blakey Griffin, 8,400, no rooster. So some more shot attempts should go to Blake. I think that's pretty strong at 8,400 while and Lamarcus Aldridge at uh, 7,900. I think he's also a pretty strong cash play with some tournament upside there. At center, DeAndre's at 7,600. I think that's really good for cash. Not really too worried about Powell being able to limit him. While Powell at 5,700, I'd look at him as a tournament guy. Powell, he's done pretty well against the Clippers in the past. In fact, the last five, uh, sorry, three games against them, he's averaged 34 points. So I think he is a tournament type of a player here. Powell Gasol. Let's uh, flip this to DraftKings. How does the value shake out here? I think Blake, Wes Johnson, Lou Williams, and DeAndre Jordan are all cash plays and tournament plays, while Pat Mills at 3,900 is a pretty strong cash play. Also, Pat Bev's at 58, which is probably a little bit too high on DraftKings, and Powell at 57 also isn't super sexy. All right, next game up on the slate, we're going to talk about the Brooklyn Nets and the Denver Nuggets. The Nets, the only team on a back-to-back on Tuesday. There is no spread currently out for this one. The Nets have got a, the net, not the Nets, the Nets have got a stack of injuries. Rondé Hollis-Jefferson, Trevor Booker, and Jarrett Allen are all questionable. And these are all play, players that play the four and the five. So that front court, there's going to be some real issues if two or even three of those guys happen to sit. At point guard, the Blue Arrow, Jamal Murray, 5,400. I want nothing to do with that unless it's in a tournament and then I am interested, but no cash reliability there. While Manny Moutier, his backup is $600 cheaper and he's been putting up you know, pretty big numbers, averaging 26 over the last five in just 25 minutes. I think he's worth a look. For a tournament, real you know, can get 30 points, and that's not too bad. Spencer Dinwiddie at 48, probably a little bit too highly priced for me. At uh, shooting guard, Karis Levert at 4,900. Yes, he moved to the bench, but I'm still okay in a tournament for him. Not for cash. While Gaz Harris... No! He's at 5,700, a real opportunity here for him to drop a 30 against this Nets team who is uh, who could struggle to guard him. D'Angelo Russell still listed... 
as a shooting guard, 7,300 for D'Angelo, averaging 44 over the last three. The I guess the back-to-back worries you a little bit, but I'm still pretty good on D'Angelo at 7,300 here, while Farton will Barton at 5,700. Way too high for me to consider in cash, but definitely got some tournament upside. At small 40, you've got Baby Neck, Wilson Chandler, 4,300 for Wils. Probably not happening there. While the Blue Swimmer at 4,300, I'm in on Alan Crabb at that sort of a price, especially if Rondé happens to be out. Damari Carroll at 6,000, I think, is also a pretty strong cash play, especially if Rondé is out. Jumping Joe Harris at 3,200, I'm all about that. Um, I think there's upside. I think there's value there, even if all these guys play. But if Rondé's out, you smash the shit out of Joe Harris at 3,200. Really, really valuable. At power forward, Trevor Booker at 4,000. Well, depending on how things shake out, he could be a really valuable play as well. If Rondé's out, you might see some extra minutes from Book. So keep an eye on him while Rondé at 6,700. Probably just a little bit too high with the doubt surrounding him. Paulie Millsap, 7,400. I have no interest in that for Millsap at all. At center, Mason Plumley 3,800. Revenge game? Thank you a shit about that. But Mason Plumley at 3,800 against a team who's could potentially have no big men in the lineup at all. I think that there's value there for him to get 20 points. While Nikola Jokic at 9,500, we're talking, I think we've got 60-point upside talking here for Jokic. Really, really interested in seeing what he can do against this team with no big men whatsoever. Jarrett Allen, Tim Mozgov, I wouldn't be really interested in either of those guys. Um, on the on DraftKings, we want to look at tournament guys. The Blue Arrow, Karis Levert, the Blue Swimmer, Alan Crabb, and Mason Plumley. While for cash games, D'Angelo, Manny Moutier, Damari, Gaz Harris, Paulie Millsap, a much better option over on DraftKings, and Nikola Jokic at 8,500 is really, really strong. Love that on DraftKings for Jokic. I'd probably be one of the first blokes that I'd look to look, look to slip into a lineup at on DraftKings, given that price. Let's look at the next one, Philadelphia and Utah. Joel Embiid is out for load management. Um, I guess traveling to the high altitude, he's not fully in shape. They're going to rest him in this one. So that's going to open up opportunities for Amir Johnson, but more importantly, Rashawn Holmes, which we'll talk about in a sec. Other injuries to note, we know Joe Johnson's out for, for Utah, and that's probably about it. At shooting guard, no, sorry, the other guy's out, sorry, Jared Bayless. So there's an opening here, and that means at point guard, TJ McConnell at 5,500. I feel like just locking that in. There's going to be big minutes for TJ, 30-point Feels pretty comfortable. I think he's an absolute lock. While ravishing Rick Rubio at 7,100 has been a little bit down recently. I think this is a good opportunity for Rubio to get back to 35 points, but I would absolutely take McConnell over Rubio in most situations. At shooting guard, Rocket Rodney Hood, 4,300 only for tournaments for Rocket, really struggling, and Don Mitchell is taking a lot of his minutes. Uh, Mitchell, also a GPP guy. He's at 5,200, averaging 35 over the last three. I'd feel much stronger about using Mitchell than I would about Rocket, while JJ Redick at 5,000. Coming off a 43-pointer, I would look to him. He's always just a tournament type of player. Bob Cove at 6,300. I'm in on that. Joe Ingles at 5,200. Probably a little bit higher for Jinglin. While Tabo looked good in that one game when Joe Johnson was out, then his minutes have dropped, so I'll probably fade him. At power forward, Sharich at 3,800. Could get some extra minutes at center. I like him at 3,800. It's a really good price, and there is some upside for Dario there also. While Benny Simmons at 9,300. It feels really lockish to use Simmons there. Get your 45 with him beat out. Probably get your 50, to be honest. Uh, Amir Johnson at 3,600. If he gets the start, I'm, I'm fine with that. There's, he can easily get 20 points. So I think Amir is someone that is worth paying attention to. At center, ravishing, not ravishing, Rudy Gobert. That's, that's him. 8,100. No Joel Embiid. Um, yep. 
I'm in on Gobert, a really good matchup for him. While Rashawn Holmes, they've bumped the salary up $1,600 on Fangio. He's at 4900 He does have the Gobert factor to deal with, and that is you know, that is important to, to, to pay attention to, given that price rise also. I think Holmes is strong. He wouldn't be the guy that I would absolutely lock in at that $5,000 price point, though. Let's take a look at uh, DraftKings and how it shakes out for this game over there. Tournament-wise, Don Mitchell, Rocket Rodney Hood, Sharich, and JJ Redick. Well, for cash, we've got Gobert. We've got TJ McConnell, which is an absolute lock to me. Um, Rubio and Simmons, I think, both have really good cash value. And then you've got Rishon Holmes, who's at 4300 a more reasonable price on DraftKings, but still not without an element of risk because of Gobert. Let's take a look at the, the next game, the second last game of the night, the Oklahoma City Thunder and the Sacramento Kings. The Thunder are favored by 10 and the total is 206. We want to just briefly check in to see that Carmelo Anthony is not suspended. There's zero chance that he will be suspended, so no need to worry there. At point guard, Russ is at 10,200. Hasn't really been getting to that level. Now, this could be a real blowout, or he could just put up massive numbers against a horrendous team. So I look at him as more of a tournament guy than a cash play, but that's the, probably the cheapest you've seen Russell Westbrook in quite a while. De'Aaron Fox at 5500 is too expensive, and George Hill is back after his personal issue. He's at $4,000. I think there's a GPP option there for Hill. He could have a big game at some point, and a 30-pointer at 4000 would be valuable. Fatface Ray Felton's at 3300 Well, he's pretty much getting 17 a night at this point, and I don't hate that to fit some of these other high-priced guys in. That could actually work in a cash game scenario. Andre Robertson's at 3300 No thanks for me. Garrett Temple at 36 Tournament upside there with him. Who knows what Jaeger's going to do? And same with Bogdan Bogdanovich at 3900 He can have that in a quarter value there, but then uh, Jaeger probably won't play him after that. So there's always concern with all these Kings guys. Bud Heald at 41 maybe, but probably not. Paulie George at 78 Feel strongly about that. I'm happy with him in cash there. Um, Vince Carter, Justin Jackson, not so much. At power for Jeremy Grant at 4100 He's getting 20 minutes a night plus. He's getting 20 plus points a night. That's that's fine. That's all you need at that price. And again, get you some of these other big names in. Mallow at sixty nine hundred. Giggity. Um, yeah, I'm I'm good with Mallow there. Get your thirty fives. I'm pretty okay with using Mallow. Scalabissier, I am far from far from okay in a tournament. Sure, but how's he going to be able to guard these threes that are playing at the four, Dave Yeager? We've got to throw Zach Randolph out there. That's clearly our only solution to guard these quick fleet foot threes that are playing uh, at the four. At center, Willie Cauley Stein, 4,700. I can't trust any of these Kings guys. Steve Adams, 6,200 is a little bit expensive, but this is a brilliant, brilliant matchup for Steve. So if you're going to use him at all, this is the time to, uh, to get Steve in there with his, uh, big sexy mustache. Over on DraftKings, GPPs, Westbrook and Garrett Temple, whereas Cash, I like Jeremy Grant, I like Adams a lot as well on DraftKings, Paulie George and Carmelo Anthony in the, in the fray there. The last game of this 10-game slate is the Memphis Grizzlies and the Portland Trailblazers. We know that Wayne Seldon is out, Chandler Parsons should be back, and then you've got Marcus Sol and Mario Chalmers both listed as probable for the Grizzlies. The Blazers are favored by three and a half, and the total is 204 points. Let's take a look at the point guards. Mario Chalmers at at 4,300 has been putting up some okay numbers. I'm not really feeling Chalmers, Chalmers here. There is something to see, maybe for cash, but he's not, not my choice. Really like Mike Conley. 
7,200. You can talk about how disappointing he's been. He dropped 38 in the last one. He's averaging 33 over his last three. That's fine at 7,200. Well, Dame Lillard is killing it. 9,800. There's a little bit of a letdown factor here for Dame. In a slower-paced team, it gets a really you know, solid defense in Memphis. It could be a bit of a letdown for Dame. I am okay using him, though, at 9,800. At shooting guard, Tyreek's at 6,200. He's getting 30 a night. He's got a good record against Portland as well. Totally okay there. Same with CJ at 6,800, which is a really nice price. At small forward, Mo Harkless at 4,000. I just don't don't see it. Sorry, Mo. While Dylan Brooks at 3,700 will likely draw another start, and he has some GPP upside, as does Jim Ennis at 4,000. For the power forwards, Noah Vonley is going to start. He's at 3,500. He can grab some rebounds, but I just don't see any real upside in using Vonley. While Caleb Swanigan at 3,000, probably not there either. At center, you've got Brandon Wright at 32, who's averaging 24 points over the last three. If you want to go cheap at center, you could do worse than Wright, but you can also probably do better. Or Yusuf Nurkic at 8,300. Marcus Gasol, just a little bit down from the Boogie Cousins, Rudy Gobert list of centers you don't want to play against, so I'll probably fade Nurkic. Despite how well he's been playing, this looks like a good fade situation. As for Gasol at 7,800, maybe just a little bit high for, for, uh, for Marky in this one. Over on DraftKings, some tournament guys, Chalmers, Nurkic, Vonley, and Brooks, and Cash plays Lillard. Really love Lillard at 8,700 on DraftKings. Conley, Tyreek, and CJ uh, are options over there as well. Let's take a look at uh, any guys on Yahoo I want to take a look at. For tournaments, I like Chalmers, the Blue Arrow, Kyle Anderson, Jimmy and Nelson, Rivers, Denzel, Delon, Mason Plumley, Boyan, J.R. Smith, Garrett Temple, Dylan Brooks, Danny Green, Pascal Siakam, Karis Levert, Bogdan, Bogdanovich. And if we look at cash options, we've got Wes Johnson, the Muppet John Henson, Courtney Lee, Brogo, Jeremy Grant, Manny Moutier, the Blue Swimmer, Lou Williams, Frank Nilakina, TJ McConnell, Don Mitchell, Justin Holiday, Tyreek Evans, Kyle Lowry, Rudy Gobert, DeAndre Jordan, Nikola Jokic. Uh, all some pretty good cash options on Yahoo. On Moneyball, if you look at GPP, guys, Sharich, Jameer Nelson, Tone Snell, Cock, Johnny Wall, if he plays, I think is a good option. Uh, DeLon Wright, the Blue Arrow, Denzel Valentine, uh, and Russ Westbrook. If you're looking at cash plays, we've got Rishon Holmes at 3,300. Now, that's fine. That's beautiful at that salary. Wes Johnson is fantastic. Malcolm Brogdon, Lou Williams, Rudy Gobert, Otto Porter, Kyle Lowry, McConnell, Jeremy Grant, Justin Holiday, Thad Young, DeAndre Jordan, The Muppet John Henson, Tyreek Evans, Pat Bev, Mike Conley, Manny Moutier, The Pencil Harrison Barnes, Yanni Adetokounmpo, Benny Simmons, and Dame Lillard. Don't forget to leave a review for this podcast. If you do enjoy it, share it with your friends, share it on social media, and subscribe on either YouTube, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, TuneIn, Stitcher, or Spotify. I think we're done here. Thank you so much for listening, everyone. See ya. Torian Prince. Wilson, you sent the game-winning email at the buzzer, avoiding a 4.55 meeting on everyone's calendar. How did you do it? I got a huge assist from Grammarly, an AI writing partner that helped me make my point. And it works everywhere I write. Summarizing a doc only took one click. When everyone uses Grammarly, everything just makes sense. 
Go to Grammarly.com slash podcast to download it for free. That's Grammarly.com slash podcast. Easier said, done.